Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views. Good morning, Jim, and good morning to all your listeners. Now, I know you are uncomfortable. When I put this, when I put this to you, that um, I, want you to, I, I want you to come in and pull over the floor and have a chat with you. You said, talk about, well, what, can, what can I talk about? That was your instant reaction. Yeah, I, I think my mindset has gone so far to the political side that it is difficult to be personally uh, having a discussion because ju- you just lose that side of yourself, to be fair, and haven't had any personal discussions for a while. So, is it, yeah, nervous is the word. I'm still a bit nervous. You're consumed by politics. Yeah, consumed by the job. What drives you? People's need, to be fair, uh, and my need to help the people. Uh, the people put their faith in me and I feel I have to deliver on that and I'm doing my utmost along with my staff who work really hard. You know, we are working really hard and I hope we're not letting anybody down. Take me back to the early days because I got to know you first when you were president of the the IRHA, the Irish Road Holliers. Uh, What got you into that for starters? Much the same thing, to be fair. I I was a haulier for 30 odd years and there was this very unfair situation where the road tax on a lorry here in Southern Ireland was over €5,000 for 12 months and the equivalent truck in Northern Ireland was only £900 sterling. And that was a huge competitive disadvantage for us. Um, We, you know, even Jim Summers, Lord of Mercy on him in his day, he was the owner of Summer Commercials. When I bought my first truck, Jim said to me, you want to start doing something about that road tax? And I, I didn't take him that serious, but like as I joined the IRHA, which was some years later, I began to understand what lobbying was and how you dealt with these issues. Um, unfortunately, government didn't listen. But in the end, you know, I became president, having been a council member, uh, you know, on, on in the IRHA for a number of years. When I became president, I struck up quite a good relationship with all of the departments, particularly the Department of Transport, of which at the time Leo Vradker was president. And, you know, to be fair, we got it done. And it reduced road tax down from 5,200 euros to two new categories, 900 euros and 500 and it was a huge achievement and so a huge saving was there the a history of haulier um, business in, in, in down to the years then not in my family but my next door neighbours which were ah. Nolan Transport literally a stone's throw there was a lane between us and I had worked with Nolan's for a little while during the summer when I was very young but uh, we had huge I had huge admiration for them and Jimmy Lord Mercy on him passed away and I particularly like to give a shout to Mrs Nolan who's unwell at the moment um, but she's very much like a second mother to us all and um, were you interested in machinery or you know what, what, what was it about the truck? Was it the business or, or the whole package? No, I think the business was secondary. I think it was the whole package. It was the fascination of the size of it, number one. The fact that you got into a truck and you just felt it's almost powerful because of the size of it and what you were controlling. But the fact that we went from Ireland to Italy and it didn't cost anybody a thought and you went all over Europe and basically you were bringing all sorts of goods. It was a whole different world that many people didn't understand and still don't. It's quite a niche 
uh, sector. It's logistics and it's about doing it the best you can as at the best price that you can because it's very, very competitive. And it's really what keeps Ireland Inc. afloat is getting our goods to the European market as competitively as we can. And, and for you, business. for you, was it a lonely track across Europe? Or were you, are you good with your own company? Yeah, and I think that is the thing. You do have to be good with your own company. I didn't, I was doing it for a short time before I had my daughter Robin. And then I literally gave up driving and took on the administrative side. And the reality of that was, it was very different again. And it was becoming a business person. It was dealing with people. And sometimes that was very difficult in comparison to the driving. The driving, you got into the truck and you had your own headspace. You listened to ABBA. ABBA was my favourite uh, from one end of the day to the other. And you'd sing along. And it was your own company. And you were in good humour when you arrived to deliver. You were in good humour when you arrived at your collection point And you were on the homeward bound. But the reality is it's a very hard job. Unhealthy, I'd say. Um, well, it can be, I suppose. You know, I know many drivers, including my own partner, Joe, who ate well and used to, you know, they were fond of salads and stuff and got his sleep. And But, like, he did it for 45 years and he's retired now and enjoys cutting grass greatly and his grandchildren. So, and there was no transition. We, we literally gave up because of COVID. And uh, I can't believe how how he has eased into retirement. Of course, he's busy every day, but he has literally, he does do the odd uh, delivery for his nephew, Dermot, and that, but he very much is retired and enjoying it. Back to your, take me back to your childhood for, for a few minutes. Talk to me about your childhood. Well, I'm one of 11, so I have 10 siblings. I have four four sisters and five, six brothers. And my mum and dad, my mum, passed away in February, yes. Breda Ryan. Uh, uh, she married my dad, Paddy Murphy. They would have been 60 years married this October, a milestone my dad very much wanted to reach. And unfortunately, mum passed in February. But uh, we were a close family. Uh, we were close big to family. Neighbors, big family. Big yeah. family, yeah. As close as we fought, of course, but we're still close. Um, there's a sister in Madrid, Emily. Uh, I've got two brothers in the States, John and Martin. I've got a brother in the UK and Luton, Nikki. Um, and I've got a brother in Brisbane, Australia, Dermot. Dermot, Dermot, I should say. And after that, the rest of us are spread around Ireland. Two of us live in County Wexford, Paddy and myself. Did you have a good childhood? We had a, f- a fabulous childhood. When I look back and think the freedoms we had in comparison to now, uh, you know, this time of the year, you you do your chores, whatever they were, uh, but you wouldn't be seen from one end of the day to the other. You'd be in camp. And I don't just mean summer camp. We had camps in the woods. You know, we had furniture in those camps. When I think of it, like, you know, it was really funny between ourselves and the Nolans and the Powers also lived in the lane. Uh, you know, we had a great time. And we worked hard. The one thing we all had to do was work hard. We had a work ethic instilled in both the Murphys and the Nolans that stands to us today very much. Determination. I, I can sense the determination from you. You were always a very determined lady. Um, academically, how did you do? Yeah, academically, I found it very difficult. Um, I wasn't academic in my mind. Uh, I was much more of a doer. And I had a job in the local shop floods from the age of about 12. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And Sheila and Jim flood. Jim has passed away, but Sheila's still there. And Breda was my best, one of my best friends and John and Mark. And I worked really hard 
even at that age but it, it wasn't it didn't feel like work I was earning money and the independence that that gave me in a family of 11 uh, it, as my dad would keep reminding me it made me it ruined me he says it made me far too independent but look at that was it was when you're one of 11 you fight for your position and like it's not it's not like nowadays people have one two and three children and everybody gets attention we may have been you know left to our own devices but not known any different and I don't think it affected me but you were there and going to establish your own little niche and mine was starting to work in floods Take me back to 15 or 16 years of age. What was your image? What was your goal? Where did you see yourself going in life? Yeah, well, by then I was actually left school, Jim, um, which was a decision I made. Uh, I had left home and I decided to leave school. It was. It's very much something I regret, very much, but that's not to say it has shaped me for sure. Um, leaving home was one thing and leaving school made made me independent in that I had to get a job and I did so I've been working you could say full time since I was 16 years of age um having said that I worked to the point of where I really felt what can I do here to better myself and I decided I wanted to go back I, I went into uh, Simon Kennedy the solicitor's office for a while to give him a, a handout on reception and I decided I wanted to do law and I had to start looking into how I could do that because I had no formal education. I'd finished only at my junior cert, one thing or another. So I went back and did my junior or my leaving cert when I was 35 and I had to travel to Dublin up and down to do a course. And I did that when I was 35. And then I undertook a night course in St. Peter's College in law because I was working, I had my haulage company, I had my daughter Robin I have to be honest, I thought I should have been getting a prize for mother of the year <laughs> Why is that? At, at the time between work and but, studying. But, you and were juggling Robin. everything yes. yes, but like it was a fantastic time and it was, like I do look back and, and how minded young Robin when you were? Well, well that's the thing, my mum and dad were fantastic okay. it was a night course and I had in my very early days when Robin was only a small baby, one or two I completed a beautician's course in Kilkenny at night time, two nights a week at beautician and electrotherapy and mum and dad took Robin for me and like I didn't stay at that but I enjoyed it while I was doing it because I couldn't I suppose being a young mum being ho- hemmed in at home every night was was awful really to be honest just, was, just wasn't you yeah I mean God bless us I, I loved Robin to bits but it felt like I was in prison at that age I was 22 and 23 having her and it, it was very hard to be at home every night so I decided education was the way and when I went back to college Robin was actually in boarding school when I was when I was starting my degree so but uh, it was it was look at education gave me the freedom to I didn't hear I you mention politics in any of what you've said because I took you I asked you when you were 16 where you didn't mention politics no and I didn't when did that come into the the picture it really only came into the picture when I was president of the Irish Road Haulage Association and when we had one big conference that one that we didn't have in Wexford because we had a couple here in Wexford that were fantastic but one was in City West in Dublin and I remember Leo Varadkar was our guest of honour and it was a tremendous display we had two actual articulated trucks brought into the arena and a ladder put between them in which case we delivered our speeches between the two trucks in the conference centre it was fabulous but when he arrived he said he wanted to speak to me and we went into a room himself and a a chap called John Carroll and we had a conversation in which he asked me 
would I be interested in running for Fine Gael at that time? I was very taken aback because I, I like to be fair, I had no intentions, nor had I a clue what politics involved. Um, so I told him like I was absolutely honoured but I'd have to think about it and I'd have to talk to people about it so like we got on with the night it was a phenomenal night and everybody remembers it greatly and fondly and after that like I sat down and had a discussion with my partner Joe and with my mum and dad and Robin <laughs> so some of the things that were said were very funny at the time <laughs> Go on, but share some I, of I, I share can't, some. I can't I'm not what my dad said anyway Are you look at, he, he reminds me every day it it was along those lines, but it was even worse. But look at, I, I, I bit the bullet. I took the opportunity, and yeah. Are you still friends with Leo? Oh, look at, I'm friends with everybody, and despite what people think, the optics of politics, you know, it's not always what it seems. I don't hold grudges, Jim. Life is too short for that, and I can tell you, Leo certainly doesn't hold any grudge towards me. What happened happened, and it's a case very much of move on. What is your vision now looking forward? Uh, not alone for yourself being in your own personal career, but what, what? And I'm hoping you give me the right answer because I think we're void of this next question that I'm putting to you. A vision for Ireland. I don't hear it very often and it annoys me. Yeah. Please well, tell me you have a vision for Ireland. Well, I do. And, you know, I, there's an awful lot of talk about climate change today. And whilst that's very important, we all understand the significance and the importance of rural Ireland and farming and the indigenous sectors that make us what we are. And my vision is to absolutely support those indigenous sectors. And, you know, in Wexford, 67 percent of people live in the rural county. That's a huge part of the population. And there's been an awful lot of talk about planning and about future and about the 10-minute city. The reality is we, we are a small country. We are big fighters on the world stage. You know, we, are, we have the fifth richest economy per capita. We have the fourth richest health budget per capita. But there isn't... It's not trickling down. No, it's not. And that's my whole point. We need accountability. We need transparency. Would you see yourself as Taoiseach? uh, Now that I'm a politician, it's not something you would ever say no to. Because ultimately, I never saw myself as president. Well, I never saw myself as president of the Irish Road Haulage Association. To be fair, I'm only learning. I'm new to politics. I believe that we are... Certainly, I'm a voice in opposition. I'm going to continue to fight for the people of Wexford. I am their voice in opposition. And I'm doing, I hope I'm doing a good job. I'm going to go a little bit deeper to the next minute that we have. Do you sometimes get sick of what we, the public, see as a political game-playing nonsense instead of dealing with the real issues? Yeah, and the public are right. I do get sick of it. I get very frustrated by it. You know, I tend not to sit in the dull chamber before I speak uh, because I find my level of patience uh, for, to be honest, what I call bull isn't great. You know, I don't suffer fools and I don't suffer foolish talk. And when I'm sitting there, it's very frustrating not to have the question that was asked, answered. And you see a lot of this bickering back and forth between the main parties, uh, government versus the main opposition party. And that's just not good enough. A lot of time is taken up by that. If you're asking a question, for instance, there's a thing called promised legislation. You get one minute to ask the question and it's a minute of an answer. 
if we haven't got competency in government to answer the question within one minute, I don't believe those people should be in that brief. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views. Alan Corcoran.